right, in lesson one, we're gonna start with the first three creator gods and goddesses. So we're gonna discuss Atum, Shu, and Tefnut. The first one is Atum, and he is actually a creator god. He was the first and most important ancient Kemetic god to ever be worshiped in Lower Egypt. And although he was at his most popular in the Old Kingdom in Lower Egypt, he has always been closely associated with the Pharaoh all over Egypt. He's part of the Enid. In the earliest record of Atum in the pyramid text, it basically tells you that in the beginning, there was nothing or noon. A mound of earth rose from noon and a pundit Atum created himself. He spat Shu, which is the air, and Tefnut, which is moisture from his mouth. Atum's two offspring became separated from him and lost in the dark nothingness. So Atum sent his eye to look for them. And this eye is a precursor to the eye of Ra, our emblem or logo that you're used to seeing. And it went out to search. And when they found them, he named Shu as life and Tefnut as order and entwined them together. So Atum became tired at one point. He wanted to rest. So he kissed his daughter Tefnut and he created the first mound. And this mound rose from the waters of noon. Shu and Tefnut gave birth to the earth, which was Geb, and the sky, which was Nut. And we're gonna talk about Geb and Nut in the next lesson. And in turn, Geb and Nut ended up giving birth to Osiris, Isis, Set, Nephthys, and Horus the Elder. And again, we're gonna go deeper into their stories as well. As far as Atum is concerned, he has a creative nature, but it's two-sided. So for example, Atum told Osiris, he said that he would eventually destroy the world, submerging everything back into the primal waters of noon, which were all that existed at the beginning of time. So remember in your Bible when it told you that God separated the light from the darkness. That's what they're talking about, that darkness. Everything came out of the darkness. The universe is actually 97% darkness. And that's what it's gonna go back to, the darkness. That's what they're saying. So eventually again, Atum says that everything will go back into the darkness that existed at the beginning of time. Into this non-existence, Atum and Osiris would survive in the form of serpents. Now, anytime you hear about the serpents, and I'm sure you've seen the serpents on their headwear and all over the place in ancient Kemet, the serpent has to do with power. That's that kundalini energy, that serpentine energy. And we'll, again, we'll go a little deeper into that as well. But that's the reason why they always had these serpents on their crowns is to let you know that they had that ancient energy, that ancient power that came out in the very beginning. So Atum was a father. He's the father of all the gods. And he actually created that first divine couple, which is Shu and Tefnut, from whom all the other gods and goddesses have descended from. He was also considered to be the father of the pharaohs. So many of your pharaohs or many of your kings 
would use the title son of Atum. And again, letting you know how close they were to that original force, that one, which I spoke of in the last podcast when I talked about zero point and that one energy. Atum is that one that I mentioned. Text in the New Kingdom tombs of the Valley of the Kings depict Atum as an aged ram-headed man who supervises the punishment of evildoers and the enemies of the sun god. He also repels some of the evil forces to the netherworld. So again, he's very powerful. This is that immortal one zero point energy that I'm talking about. This is our tomb. And he's the one that can punish all these evildoers, all the ones who are wayward, who don't listen. And then while he's punishing them, he also provides protection to all of the good people. So those of us who are doing what we're supposed to do, that energy is there to protect you, ensuring that you will have safe passage past the lake of fire, where there lurks the deadly dog-headed God who lives by swallowing souls and snatching hearts. So again, we see this in the Bible about the lake of fire and hell and the hellhounds. So the very first God on the planet that everybody knew could protect you from going to these terrible places, these low dimensions, was again our tomb. And he was depicted in an anthropomorphic form and is typically shown wearing the dual crown of upper and lower Egypt. One of the only details that distinguishes him from any other pharaoh is the shape of his beard. But he's also depicted with that solar disc and a long tripartite wig. So again, your Bible, all the stuff you've been taught, all these different mythologies come again from Kemet. And you're going to begin to see the similarities here as we continue on. Now again, he fathered two. The two that he fathered, the very first two that came out were Shu and Tefnut. So let's look at Shu first. Shu is the Egyptian or Kemetic god between the earth and the sky. So his realms would be the sunlight, the air, and the wind. And his major temple was in Heliopolis. Shu is literally the personification of the earth's atmosphere. And Shu is credited with being a sort of creator god. So he's the god of the air and the supporter of the sky. And again, his father created him. Him and his sister, Tefnut, she's the goddess of moisture with a first divine pair. The first couple of the nine gods that are called the Enid of Heliopolis. Of their union came Geb, which is the earth, Nut, which is the goddess of the sky. And Shu was always portrayed in a human form with an ostrich feather on his head. The ostrich feather, most people believe, relates him back to Ma'at, which again has to do with cosmic balance and justice. So it represents the qualities of truth and purity. And again, I remember I told you in the last podcast, everything must be in balance. Everything must function the way it's designed to. So on the other hand, not only is he depicted with this ostrich feather, but they also have pictures of him with like a lion's head, him and his sister. And anytime you see the lion's head, 
All that means is that he had great power. You know how they tell you that the lion is the king of the jungle. So by seeing him and his sister with those lion heads, that shows you the amount of power and where he stands in position and relative to all the other deities. So again, this relates him back to his father, which was Atum. And he's often again presented separating his son and his daughter, Gab and Nut. And with his upstretched hands in these pictures, they're showing you how, again, he's keeping order. And he's a creator God. That brings us to the sister. And that's Tefnut. She was his primordial sister, his consort. And she was also a mother, which we'll go into in the next lesson. But her realms deal with moisture, rain, dew, and fertility. Her major temple was in Heliopolis. And again, she's the daughter of Atum. Tefnut gave man the ability to basically continue living. So without Tefnut, you wouldn't be here. Why? Because she's the deity again of moisture, air, dew, and rain. Imagine if the planet never had rain. It would dry out. You would starve and basically die because you have to have water. Without water, you can't live. Your bodies are like over 90% water. So she's also strongly associated with both your lunar and solar energies. And she's known as both the left and the right eyes of Ra. The left eye being associated with the moon, the right eye being associated with the sun. But a lot of people still look at her as that lunar goddess. And the lunar part again goes with the dryness or the absence of moisture as a solar goddess. So again, her name, Tefnut, literally means she of moisture. So she's generally again depicted with that lion head as a lioness or a woman with a lion's head. Less often do you actually see her drawn as just a regular woman. So again, that lion's head showed the level of power that she possessed. She always wears the solar disc and the uraeus and she carries a scepter which represents, again, that power and her ankh. Anytime you see the ankh, that's life. And she represents the breath of life because, again, without the moisture, you would die. She also occasionally would take the form of a cobra. I know that you all have been taught that the snake is evil, the serpent of old. He's just terrible. That serpent, again, is that ancient knowledge, that primal energy that energy again that will associate you back to zero point or Atum. She was originally considered to be a lunar eye of Ra because they linked her to the night sky because of the dew and the rain and the mist. However, she also takes on again that solar aspect. So you want to keep that in mind. And some of the names that were given to her because of this is Lady of the Flame, and Uraeus on the head of all gods. And she's actually a protector, just like her father. She generally described as the daughter of a creator god, the creator god again of Atum. She's a sister wife of Shu, and she's a mother of Gab and Nut. She was also shown helping Shu to hold Nut the sky above Geb the earth in some of your earlier paintings. But in Memphis, 
She was known as the tongue of Ptah, who had apparently helped him create life. And we're going to go into Ptah as well in a later lesson. Tefnut again, she was worshipped as the moon goddess. Many people did associate her with the lunar because of the rain and the moisture. But in all of her depictions, again, you always see that solar disk. You always see the Uraeus. And the reason why is because that's that divine authority. Anytime you see that, you know that's a solar deity. And by wielding a staff and her aunt, Tefnut is further established as a very powerful and important goddess. So within this lesson, the key here that you want to take away, number one, zero point energy, that's Atum. He again is a creator god. He's the very first, just like your atom, the molecule within you. And then that atom split. So he spit out two, which was Shu and Tefnut. Shu again is the masculine energy. He's the one that deals with the sunlight, the air, and the wind. Basically your atmosphere. And then there's Tefnut, which is a feminine energy, which deals with moisture, rain, dew, and fertility. So if you look at these deities from a scientific viewpoint, this is a creator story, the creation story. This is a story that they kind of omitted and didn't really go into in your Bibles. I remember there's a verse in the Bible that said how they created man in our image. So they're different creation stories. And there were already people on this planet before the story of Adam and Eve that you were taught about. The Adamic race is separate from these other groups that we're going to be discussing within these lessons. And just keep that in mind because, again, I don't want to get too deep on this podcast. I just want you guys to at least, when you hear the name Atum or you hear the name Shu or you hear the name Tefnut, what comes to mind is what they personified within the physical reality. You have to remember, again, everything on this planet has consciousness. Everything has a spirit force. So from the air, the water, the sun, the moon, all this stuff has energies. That's how astrology works. So when you look at you're born under a certain sign and this sign is governed by a certain planet. And because of this, this is why you act the way you act. All of that, again, is based on the energies, the forces that are being emitted at the time of your birth or certain transits. So that's how it works. And a lot of times we have been taught to think that if you're not in a humanoid body with two legs and two arms and a head, and a mouth and eyeballs, then you don't have consciousness. That's the reason why they think that animals are not sentient, which is a lie. Your ancestors knew that animals were sentient beings. They knew that many of these animals came from other star systems and other planets. That's the reason why when you look in astrology, like for example, Leo, has, what is Leo? The lion. A lot of your astrological signs, Pisces, fish, all these things are animals. So obviously the animals have some type of intellect going on. And because we knew this, we appreciated the animals kingdom. We did not destroy them. We did not put them in prisons, which we call today a zoo. So everybody can look at them. 
We let them live their lives along beside us. And because we did that, we kept balance on the planet. So when you're looking at the pictures of these deities and you notice they may have a ram head or a lion's head, or they draw them like a cobra, these were not demonic or satanic. These again, we're looking at the features of different species, different animals on the planet and showing you their attributes and how they relate back to these divine forces. That's what they were showing you. So it's not spookism and it's not just a bunch of witchcraft. This is actual high science that most people today do not understand and therefore they dismiss it because they're not part of it. So we're gonna continue on with these lessons as well. And I hope this kind of simplifies at least the first three. And there are many more that we have to go through in these lessons. And if you want to know more, definitely visit the website www.mymysteryschool.com to take a more in-depth study of these ancient comedic deities.